Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. You know, in my decades of being alive and, you know, working with people first as a psychotherapist and then as a, for lack of a better term, a spiritual mentor, I've often been so struck by the nuanced journey of life. I mean, for each of us that, we, you know, we never know what's going on within another person's inner life um, or what's moving them to do what they do and to be who they are, of of what bridges they need to cross to get where they want or need to go, to, or to just simply to get where they're going. Well, a few months ago, I was at a conference and was struck by one of the speakers. Like, who was this feisty woman who made people laugh while listening to the truth emanating from her soul? And then on a dime, made them catch their breath in reverent silence, really. And over dinner, I realized that she's one of those unique beings who who bridges people, who helps people make that crossing, who helps people transition from one place to another. And I invited her to have a conversation here on Wisdom Talk Radio. Well, I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute and creator of the cutting edge quantum connection process. You can discover how activating and amplifying your own quantum connection is what creates a deep accessibility to your inner guidance system. And that acts as that uh, really sustainable resource to bring abundance and joy into every aspect of your life and help you to bring your big ideas into reality, to make them real. So this person that I'm so excited to have with me today is Suzanne dudley Schoen. She is a coach, writer, and speaker who has been a life and leadership coach for over a dozen years. She catalyzes positive change and success, healing and inspiring clients to rewrite their stories and develop new habits to live more joyful, empowered lives. And I would mm, venture to say, to guess, and I'm here, I'm just adding something in and into her bio. Um, I'm so pushy that way sometimes. Um, it's it's really about developing a new relationship with life is what Suzanne models and teaches. Along with her own coaching business, she is grateful to be a, head, a, a lead coach and writer for Upside Thinking. And as a poet, her work has been appeared, her work has appeared in many literary magazines, including the best-selling anthology, Dreams and Blessings, Six Visionary Poets. In her book, Out of the Box, A Journey in and Out of Emotional Captivity, Suzanne recounts her passage from silent suffering to flourishing with the aim of providing hope and insight to others. 
Welcome, Suzanne Dudley-Shone to Wisdom Talk Radio. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you so much, Lori. Uh, it was just a, an enormous delight to get to meet you a few months ago, and I'm so honored to be here on Wisdom Talk Radio. What what a privilege. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, so where shall we begin, my dear? I mean, I could ask you, you know, why you became a coach, and I want to know that, but mm, there's something about who you are that's it feels so full and rich and um, lit up from the inside. And you may or may not ever even know that or see that, but from the outside that when I look at you, that is what I see. And so perhaps it's to start by sharing a little of, you know, what is your journey? You, you have been, I want to say you've been so many things you you've done so much and what in all of that um, has called you into this place of being with others in this in this way that you are? Thank you. Um, it's a, a lovely acknowledgement. I, I'm just taking that in. Thank you. You know, I, it reminds me actually when I was in college, I. I actually did the whole like sorority thing, which is kind of not really like me, but I did it. And the high point, and honestly, the only thing I remember from all, you know, my time in it whatsoever was that I had what's called like a little sister and a big sister. Mm. And they give you a Greek name. (laughs) And the name she gave me was Thalia, T-H-A-L-I-A. And And it means bringing light. And I was so struck by it and then just forgot about it. Mm -hmm. And so to speak to your point of, you know, whether it's light, whether I'm aware of it or not, that that it's such a I'm I'm like humbled that that's what people see. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly my desire. Like it's always been my desire to make people feel better you know, from a naive little child kind of perspective, I was the peacemaker at home and I'd see people in distress and, you know, try and smooth over conflicts. And I saw the suffering that each individual in my family had, including my parents Mm -hmm. and wanted to minimize that. I've always been attuned to other people's sort of emotional state. And so there's so much suffering. Mm. And when we are in that place, we are less lit up. So in the darkness of life, which there's plenty, you know, there is so much going on always through history and now currently, there's always room for more light. So mm-hmm. my my hope, my desire has always been can I bring light to an individual, bring them light, whether it's levity, laughter or whatever, or maybe provide some insight or hope. So yeah. that's kind of my driver. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense to me because as I, as I got a chance to watch you in action, I saw all of that. And, and I, and I'm sure knowing 
not knowing the inside of that, but just knowing how life is and how we come from such different places. Each, each person comes from such a different place that that's got its, that's got both sides, your capacity and ability and awareness of, of other people's struggles. How did, how did your own struggles, your own awareness of that from the inside, how did that, um, color and impact your own ability to or lack of ability to do that for others Mm, that's a great question so how did my my own internal journey affect my kind of mission or impulse to Mm -hmm. bring that's that's a great question so oh there have certainly been many times of doubt um As a child, there's a couple of seminal moments where I was so lost that I was reaching out for help from some other, whether it was God, universe, higher power, so forth, when I felt so, I guess the word is adrift or just frightened. And really the first time I remember feeling it was when my mother was diagnosed with cancer when I was 11. And for my whole life, she had always said, you know, if I ever get the big C, if I ever get the big C in Mm. cancer, just let me die. And so, you know, as, as an 11 year old hearing all that and then finding out she had it, like this was this collision of, of, you know, horror, terror, you know, the idea of losing her or that she wouldn't want to continue anymore. And what mm-hmm. could I do? And, how, you know, just all of that. And my aunt at the time who was nearby when I received the news from my dad who called from the hospital, she put an arm around me and said, get a hold of yourself. Cause I was sobbing. Like I went into like, <laughs> and what an 11 year old might do. <laughs> yes. One. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and she said, get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself. You have to be a brick. You have to be a brick. And I did, you know, I collected myself. And at night and private, I was praying and praying that, you know, my mother would get through and I would do the, you know, all the things that you do when you're feeling scared. But it, it froze me to a degree. And so I, I, in order to bring light, I don't think you can be frozen. Mm. And so it, it was sort of like the first level of kind of diminishment of who I was. I was like, all right, I got to be, I got to be a brick. And there was so much like loss in this period of time from the time I was 11. And then by the time I was 22, I had lost both parents to cancer. Mm. Mm. So there was a lot of like, be a brick, be a brick. And while you're being a brick, you're probably not going to be much of a match or a light or a candle. You're like, I'm just getting I've never seen a brick that's lit up. <laughs> not so much. I mean, I did okay and I managed it. Mm-hmm. And yet there's something pretty powerful about understanding your own capacity to, in spite of how you feel, get through things that are very difficult. Mm-hmm. 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 So I didn't necessarily get it at that time. It's all like in hindsight and like, oh, that was a really 
incredible thing that I know that I'll survive. I can get through despite people dying around me that are responsible for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then another sort of seminal moment, you know, really was a period of time when I was married to my previous husband and the dynamic that started out very blissful and amazing because he is in his core, an amazing person. Um, devolved is, is the only way I can put it. And perhaps mm. there were warning signs for me that I ignored because I was part brick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, were, were you, could I just want to ask a little question, yes, a clarifying question in there. So being the brick in the midst of that, was it that you were less able to identify or give credence to anything that you might be feeling? <laughs> On point, mm-hmm. really on point. I never diminished in my capacity to feel for others because mm-hmm. that was so my wiring and also kind of how I survived in a way in my family. You know, it, it's sort of the gift and the curse, right? And figuring out how we use the gift in the right balance mm-hmm. has been really a trajectory for me. Like, Yeah, because they needed you to be a brick, or at least that's what they thought. So, hey, I'm going to rise to that occasion. And really the brickness was about denial of my own feelings. Yeah. Because those were the ones that undid me. Mm. (laughs) Really. Yeah. You know, in in terms of like, if I feel how scared I am or whatever to them, that might, and you know, this is just occurring to me right now, honestly, Mm. that it might have frightened them. Sure. And I had, you know, even as a child, I had been a source of support and a a peacemaker, a harmony maker in the family. Um, They they might have needed to support you and they didn't, they didn't have that capacity. Indeed. And so really the the thing that I, that I I had forgotten to a degree was that what you often talk about is our connection to the greater, right? The source that in, in becoming a brick, you, you are forgetting that you are resourced. Wow. Wow. (laughs) In becoming a brick, you forget that you are resourced. That you're capable and deserving of receiving so that you may give more instead of mm-hmm. only being sort of giving machine or part of the house. You know, like, <laughs> um, you know and, and it's interesting that the firmness of a brick, it, 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 it diminishes that quality of aliveness, right? That is so inextricably tied with movement and mm. giving and receiving and that flow of the pulse of life, of inspiration, of, re- of expiration, you know, the, that all of that has a fluidity to it that, um, that was a bit lost in that container. And yet, as I said, it did provide structure that 
perhaps was a great gift to me. I know. It's so beautiful that you can tap into that. Excuse me. And see, see the way in which that worked for you. And I feel very fortunate in, in every day, you know, I, it's another one. Of, I don't think I've spoken this to many people, but um, when both of my parents were dying and that period, I remember with such clarity this vow that I would be able to help others because I had experienced profound loss. Mm-hmm. And I would be able to relate to someone's experience and perhaps lift them up. And so, you know, that whole thing of with every problem that you receive, it, it, it has a gift in its hands. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think that's a really good way to live. And it has helped me a lot. And I see how you you carried almost like no matter what, you carry that sensibility of being a bridge for someone else. And and how extraordinary that is because you you had to know both sides of that. You had to know the loss of the from the external, but you had to know the loss, the potential loss, the at least partial loss of your own interconnection. And then yet, the, it's almost like, and see if this is true, it's almost like your way through was that which you always knew about yourself, that you were always here to bring light. Thank you. You know, I received that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's when I feel most alive and when I feel most myself. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is, you know, you talk about those those moments when you forget that. And I I forgot it also in my relationship with my former husband. Mm -hmm. And it became a dynamic that the label would be kind of verbal and emotional abuse. And cl- and what I can tell you with every fiber of my being is that was never his intention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never. And nor was it mine to be in that particular <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, however, what I, what I recognize as, yes, there was incorrect behavior by him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? Which he would also own mm-hmm. in, in, in a conversation with him. Um, what I lost was my own inner stability and my own inner sense of compassion. And because I'd been that brick, I was used to not giving permission or enough validity to my own feelings and experience. Mm-hmm. Instead, in this dynamic... I was all about like trying to do better for the other person or for the people around me. And it got so out of balance and it was a survival strategy in a way. Sure. And in fact, 
it probably did help me because I was not fighting back. So help me understand that. So if you had not had that capacity to be a brick, do you think you would have been able to fight back? Or or what, what do you imagine when you say that? I think I would have, you know, there are parts of it where, you know, I, I might've said, I'm not tolerating any of this and, and gotten out sooner. It would have, you know, like that's one scenario that might have happened. Should we, you know, go through and rewrite life? Okay. Or really that what I know is that oftentimes in dynamics that, that potentially have, that can go potentially violent, right? Mm -hmm that when there is direct conflict, that it becomes, it heightens the danger. It actually right. heightens it. And right. so that's why, you know, one, you know, all these amazing domestic violence shelters and so forth are really about having a plan and being very careful and methodical and never pushing someone to, to do something or because it escalates. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in not fighting back or being aggressive in response, because I was always subduing my own needs Mm-hmm. It, it was less of a of a pushback or what could have caused a conflict conflagration right, and even more heightened violence or mm-hmm. danger. Yes. And, yes. Um the divine intervened. Things escalated, escalated, escalated. Yes, I can tell you that for sure. Mm-hmm. And there were there was you know, a, a big come to a head crisis with, you know, guns and SWAT teams and the, the potential for things to be really bad. And it didn't go that way. And I was able to get a restraining order. And with that restraining order could create some distance for myself and my children. Mm-hmm. It then allowed me to kind of really see clearly to get inner equilibrium to begin to sort of recover myself. And I remember a therapist asking me, because I had I knew I was like not functioning at my capacity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was definitely diminished in so many ways. I was exhausted physically. I was exhausted emotionally and psych- psychologically and so forth. And she said to me, Figure out what you need. What do you need? What do you need? And this was the repeated mantra. And it was so hard for me to answer that question. Of course. I mean, that was the very thing that you had had to bury such a long time ago. Right. Because, in fact, the needs of others were my survival tool. Like, Mm -hmm. if I take care of them, I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, well, that's kind of a messed up machinery, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> huh? You're not even in the equation. <laughs> right. Sort of. Very. Sort of, you know, but not directly. <laughs> not directly, right? It's like hmm, transitive property, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that took a lot of inner work of rewiring and it still happens like the autopilot because it's so comfortable. And I do love to give love and give light. Like it's mm-hmm. it, again, like 
I'm, you know, repeating myself of this sort of finding the balance of your gift, right? Like that was an overuse, almost a, and a misuse of my ability to feel and have compassion and extend that for someone else when it was at, at the expense of my own wellness, yeah. Yeah. self-care and ability to take care of myself. Yeah, and that's that's so profound because we do we do carry those kind of patterns and I know we can release them. And in a moment, in a moment under stress, in a moment when we're exhausted, uh, those patterns can can kick back in and say, "Oh yeah, here I am again." It's like, "You? You know, who are you?" And it's like, "Oh, okay, so then there's that self-reflective, I think, process that can take place of what's going on that this old thing is showing itself again. This old thing where I stop feeling some part of me. Well, and you're spot on. And as a parent, because I had two little kids, mm-hmm. there's there that is called upon as a need as a parent, you know, like you have to put your needs aside to parent them and not entirely like clearly, again, it was sort of at a, a little wonky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and where I had fed myself for so long was from a place of I'm a giver. I'm compassionate. Mm. I don't need much. I'm low maintenance. And so it's the very thing that made me feel like me was also the thing that was killing me. That's a difficult thing to put down. Right, right, right. And, And then it becomes thinking about our children. It's what our children then say, oh, this is how life is supposed to be. Right. And that ultimately that was one of the most important uh, reasons for my own tenacity in taking this on was I have to balance this in myself because my children are watching this and modeling for them. Even if I say all the right things, the actions are really what they're taking. Right, right. And the energy of you giving and the circulation not happening, that capacity and ability to receive. Right. Mm. So at first it was definitely the mantle of, you know, if not for me, then for them. Yes. And... It's become more a bit a bit better now. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. Yes. And so what does that look like for you? What what does that look like in terms of how you do your work in the world? Mm. I can recognize because I've been there. When someone else has a disequilibrium in this area Mm -hmm. and I work hard to ground myself and do the things that I know will um, have me work from a space of 
fullness and completeness so that I truly am able to give and not from a place of habit, Mm. ego, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and not ego like, oh, I'm so great. But really like the I Ching has this interesting phraseology around um, the ego is, is often masquerading as the white knight which mm. is definitely that yes. that concept i'm i'm coming in to save the day you know and while it's admirable on one level it's it's a misguided thing rather right. than right. truly honoring the other person mm-hmm. in their in their own capacity to rise up to be to yes. be whole and brilliant and capable and return to themselves just as I have. And I, uh, and it, it makes me then do that same thing. Like, okay, are you, are you, are you coming from, uh, you're pushing, striving, trying to do this, mm-hmm. or is this from a place of, and, and I, and so I, mm, It, it requires me to be humble and yet whole. I have to become whole through connection to that which is greater. And I am humbled in that it's not me, my personality, and just Suzanne functioning to save this person. Mm-hmm. They ultimately mm-hmm. have the capacity to save themselves. And so that's, you know, why I often prefer the word catalyst rather than helping someone. Yeah. That's and beautiful. the, the um, modality of coaching, which I so love mm-hmm. is so strictly not about like telling people what to do. You know, it's often a misnomer people that come from coaching in the sports world. They're like, <laughs> Oh, tell me the 10, you know, exercises I'm supposed to do. Well, there may be some of that, but mm-hmm. really it is this co-creative experience yeah. and understanding while a person may have an area where they're feeling stuck or, you know, less than or whatever that mm-hmm. they really have that blueprint that divine blueprint within them to fulfill Mm -hmm. and you're just in that moment able to whether it's shine a light on it or have them shine a light on themselves so beautifully said Suzanne thank you that's I love that and and it, it strikes me that we each have to you know, fill ourselves and be and be connected to that fountain, that that ever flowing, ever replenishing fountain. So then we get to give from the overwhelm, mm-hmm. you know, from the overflow, not the overwhelm, from the overflow rather than oh, I got to give. I got to give some more, which is so exhausting. And, and there's no truth in it because there's no real giving. It's it's giving boy, so that I look good. Right. So that I can feel good about myself. And I, I remember a long time ago writing something about um, how concern, the concern for another person is this masquerade of, of control. It may be controlling them, maybe controlling me, like something in the situation, rather than recognizing, as you were just speaking to so beautifully, the 
the eloquence of this person's soul, the blueprint, the divine blueprint that they have. Wow. I'm just covered in chills, you know, hearing your identification of that and mm-hmm. concern being a masquerade. That's it's incredibly well put. And I think, you know, in today's culture, we have a lot of that, some of which is is being activated mm-hmm. by the 24-7 news cycle. You know, right. whatever news source you're watching, it's going all the time. Mm-hmm. And it keeps us in that sort of destabilized worry and concern. And it not in co-creation at all. (laughs) And you feel like you're doing something by worrying when it's actually not helpful at all. (laughs) (laughs) I I know this wonderful human being. I I, he's um he's actually the sheriff of Telluride. And his name's Bill Masters. And he he said this quote that I will never forget. He said, you know, worry is just like gives you something to do. Mm-hmm. But it's not really helpful. Right. Right. It is not. <laughs> I've said that to my husband a lot because <laughs> he's a worrier. You know, it's yeah. just. You just, you put yourself through the, the angst, you put it yourself through before it's even happened. And then if you have to go through it, okay, go through the angst then, but you don't have to do it twice. Yeah. And, and, and the other part of it was like, it's like being in a rocking chair in a room full of long tailed cats. So I think <laughs> this idea of like you're doing something that you think might be constructive, but you actually might like roll over a cat's tail and, you know, set it off. And like, it's completely chaos, right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But you just said something that sparked something else, which is it's complete chaos. What you're doing in doing that is contributing to the chaos. Yes. You're creating it instead of doing what you think you're doing. Let's, you know, let's worry. So we'll make it better. You're actually contributing to this, this uh, miasma of chaos. Right. And the concern that then turns into, at least for me, can shift. It's very kind of, you know, modal. It, <laughs> it becomes fear. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, we know that like a long time ago, Leo Buscaglia or, you know, whoever wrote about like, like love is letting go of fear, that these mm-hmm. two cannot coexist. <laughs> when you're in fear, you're not in love. And when you're in fear, you're also not, and when you're in fear and worry and doubt, you're not in a state of clarity and true connection. Mm -hmm. You're seeing things from this emotional lens, which immediately blurs your capacity to be analytical. Like it shuts off the prefrontal cortex and you're Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. left there in amygdala reptilian response only. (laughs) And it's not just the, the um, analytical that it shuts off. Yes. It also shuts off that, that connection with source. If we're in an emotional tizzy, when I'm in an emotional tizzy, I cannot get truth. I cannot get that clarity. I cannot receive that inner guidance. 
So it's pretty big to think about all that chaos that we're creating inside with worry and fear and doubt and yeah. And then, as you said, like if we're walking around in fear and worry and doubt, it has a gravitational pull and it. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, it affects other people, too. So, you know, mm-hmm. this. This concept of responsibility. Mm-hmm. How are we responding to the bait that's always out there to wow. be concerned or be fearful or doubtful or paranoid or angry or what, you know, like yeah. to mm-hmm. maintain our capacity to perhaps feel, but then allow that to wash away and then be able to see clearly, okay, so what's at play here? Is this a true thing that I, you know, need to be on alert for? Is this, you know, a dance between the media? Is it a dance between, you know, some old wound between two people that hasn't been healed? Like, what's really going on? Is this my own thing that I haven't cleaned up? Yes. Yeah. And even if it's, if any of those things ring true, well, when they do, then we have a place to go. But we cannot find that clarity. We cannot find the way forward, you know, when we're in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you see in today's world? What are some of the things you see that really need to be addressed? Mm, There's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um. One piece is is somewhat related to the responsibility that I just mentioned, which is Mm -hmm. there's so much polarized thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Everything is is quite binary in the way people are looking at it. It's good, it's bad. It's it's evil, it's, you know, heavenly. Mm -hmm. Um, you're Republican, you're a Democrat, mm-hmm. you're blah, 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 blah. Like, that it's all definitely on this one line, right? Mm-hmm. And pushing the opposite direction. But in fact, this is not terribly constructive. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I have this image of, you know, silly putty. Do you remember silly mm-hmm. putty? Yes. Right? You take a glob of silly putty and you pull it apart. And it starts getting really thin mm-hmm. and I just, it just breaks, right? That, that, that we're actually, if we are all one, which we are, mm-hmm. it's such a disruption of that truth. Yeah. So how do we come back together? How do we find the common ground that we really truly have? Mm. My son mentioned something the other day. He goes, I think it's because we don't have an outside force to quote unquote fight or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, there's something to that. And and not necessarily that I believe you have to fight against something, but that there's a, a unifying point of connection or intersection of beliefs and, and, and the goal 
of those beliefs, right? So if our goal is to create less fear or less violence in the world or whatever, it then becomes, instead of just being the linear shape, Mm -hmm. it can come together at the top to be a pyramid or a triangle, which they, I remember back, you know, years ago, them talking about the triangle being the, the strongest shape in geometry. Mm-hmm. Yes. So aren't we much stronger when we come together in that triangle? And it doesn't mean we have to agree on everything or completely modify our opinions. Mm-hmm. It means that we need to to respond to the stressors or the conditions that we're faced with, which are plentiful, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, and, and whatever end of the spectrum you believe on any issue, whether it's, you know, the economic challenges that we have, climate change, political issues, global issues, mm-hmm. financial issues, that we can, there is, there's, there has to be a sense of commonality in terms of wanting the best. Mm-hmm. And of course, the all starts with the individual. And if we can reduce fear. Okay. So, so there, there you're speaking to something. If we can reduce fear, because what I, I see fear is so much that that catalyst for the, the butting heads. Yes. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my place in the world. If this happens. Yes. And so I'm afraid of that. And I'm going to be louder than as loud as I can be against that. Yes. So what, how do we start lowering that level of fear? Good question. (laughs) I, I see returning the individual's capacity for their own sense of strength, wholeness, ability to be okay, no matter the external, right? Mm-hmm. And we've, yes. we, if we're walking around terrified, we're certainly not feeling our own strength and capacity. Right. So how do we return people to that? And part of it is, you know, not dissimilar from functioning at work in a stressful environment. So, you know, the thing that I coach on, coach many people with is Mm -hmm. simple stuff as, you know, pure as learning different breathing techniques to help Mm -hmm. recenter them, to refocus the energy so that they have their true center within themselves rather Mm -hmm. than externally yeah what sort of focus your locus like your locus of control is Mm -hmm. within you when you return to the breath and returning that energy to the inner inner self so so then yeah go ahead i'm so sorry no 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 please finish that thought just just that um then when you are stimulated that rather than just being in reactivity which is sort of the primal response mm-hmm. of fight flight freeze submit mm-hmm. those very rudimentary reactions mm-hmm. that we have the capacity to feel to be safe in our own containers and mm-hmm. respond and understand that the person that we are talking to or the perceived 
enemy, quote unquote, is then revealed to not be an enemy or of perpetrator of whatever is upsetting me, Mm -hmm. that we are returned to our humanness and that there's a lot of commonality. Wow. Oof. You've just created such a beautiful three-dimensional, at least, (laughs) um, image for all of that. Because I I hear you saying it's not even about focusing on the fear. It's about returning that center point, returning to that center point, anchoring within that, expanding that, getting to know that, getting so familiar, so in it, that the fear dissipates because we have that commonality. We see the commonality. We want to then do for what's good for the whole. Right. And you're able to collaborate because you're not afraid of the person that's quote unquote against you because you realize, okay, we may have different opinions, but there must be a way for us to work collaboratively Mm -hmm. using that creative sense of then making a solution happen that wouldn't happen with just one or just the other. Exactly. How cool is that? Yeah. And that's the bridge builder. (laughs) (laughs) Suzanne, I'm just like, "Mm, I'm I'm in love with this conversation. (laughs) Thank you. Me too. You mentioned that you're going to, I think, have a, a a special gift or tool for our listeners. Can you say a little about that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So this is something, a tried and true system. I call it a piece on the path. And basically, it's just a... Um, a series of steps that you can do on a daily basis or multiple times a day to really help bring you back to that sense of center so that you're able to access your higher level thinking, to be able to Mm -hmm. see more clearly without sacrificing your own experience of like, wow, I might feel this way. And yet, what is the right thing to do, you know, in the higher level, in the bigger Mm -hmm. perspective. And so it's kind of a de-stressor and I, I see it as a tool, tool of true empowerment for people. So I hope everyone enjoys, they can, you know, download it from my website. Wow. That sounds like a very useful and timely gift for sure. Thank you. So how can people reach you? How can they find you? Where can they find you? They can find me at SuzanneDudleyShone.com, which is my website. And then just go to the contact page and shoot me an email. I would love to hear from you, whether it's a question or, or if you want the, the gift, just say, send me my gift. You know, you, you don't even have to interact beyond that. Just, uh, <laughs> will, there be a link gift? <laughs> will there be a link that you'll be able to provide so they can um, uh, find that gift or? Yes, 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 yes. Wonderful. And uh, yes, I'll be in the show notes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, I've so loved being with you. Thank you so much for being a guest here and such a beautiful guest here at Wisdom Talk Radio, Suzanne. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. And and it's felt very like what you your questions and your presence um, have allowed me to to speak hopefully on behalf of what will bring light and, and mm-hmm. love more. Yeah. So thank what you we so want. much. What a privilege. 
Yeah. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners and our viewers here at Wisdom Talk Radio. I invite you, join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. You can find us on all the different platforms that, you know, all the places to find podcasts and wherever you like to listen to them. Also, we are now on YouTube, so you can find us, you can watch us, you can see Suzanne's beautiful shining light there right on YouTube. And if you've enjoyed listening today, please leave us a review because when you do that, you may think, oh, you know, yeah, I love this, but I'm not going to take the time to do that. But when you do that, it alerts somebody else who might be just listening and looking for just what this is. And it lets them know, oh, here's something that you could listen to that might provide more of that sense of illumination for your life. So that's how we transform the world. And for more about your own connection with your inner guidance, take the quantum connection quiz over at the Baca Journey. Oops, the Baca Institute. It used to be called the Baca Journey. And every once in a while, that old habit comes in. So go to thebacainstitute.com today. See you next time. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.